This is Monty in the Morning, <laughs> the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk oh radio show goodness. in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. <laughs> number one whenever news breaks during your day. <laughs> and number one whenever and wherever you want to yeah. talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hello. The one day that I don't check that meter. Unbelievable. It is the Monty Show. Hi. We're starting again. Uh, yeah, let's kick it all off over again. Our apologies <laughs> that we had audio issues. Um, but what we will do is hop right in because we do want to update you on um, the jazz. Uh, our, our, our plate today is, is quite nicely full. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that, we have uh, the jazz were in Phoenix last night. Yeah. And they did something that probably is very troubling to the NBA. So we will absolutely talk about that. Um, Obviously, we are still giving away this Xbox Series X. All you have to do is subscribe to the channel. Here we go. All we have to do is subscribe to the channel. Yep, we're here. We made it. We're also giving away a PS5. PS5 is on TikTok only if you are not subscribed to us or follow us. See, this is going to fuck me up. If you do not follow us on TikTok... You cannot win the PS5. Got to do it. The Monty Show underscore on TikTok. The do Monty it. Show underscore on TikTok. Follow us when we get to 5,000, and we picked up 300 followers yesterday. Yeah, that's going to come quick on, on TikTok. TikTok. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's going to that's that's happen. Uh, but all you have to do is subscribe to the channel here at YouTube, and if you're listening on the audio podcast, please do uh, subscribe as well uh, on YouTube for your chance to win the Xbox Series X. And without further ado, again... Let's uh, start talking about Jackson Dart and BYU because I do think this is by far the biggest story of the day. Um, And here's what I would tell you about Jackson Dart. I think if Jackson Dart were making this decision on his own, Jackson Dart would be going to BYU. Jackson Dart told, from what I understand, what my sources tell me at BYU, is that Jackson Dart has told them he was leaning to BYU. He very clearly said that to Lane Kiffin who came out and visited Jackson Dart again yesterday. And by all accounts, this is not really about Jackson Dart because Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg want to be a package deal. And knowing that that's the case, um, Lane Kiffin got very aggressive. And I think really the situation with Michael Trigg is Trigg doesn't want to play at BYU. I think that's very clear. From what I understand, he has not taken a visit to BYU um, he has gone to Oklahoma and he has gone to Old Miss. Um, and very clearly, if you look at Twitter last night, Oklahoma fans were all pissed off because what I was told is that Michael Trigg far preferred his visit to, to Old Miss than he did to Oklahoma. He didn't feel as though he was the top priority at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. He felt like Jackson Dart was a top priority and that he was kind of a, a package deal, so to speak. Whereas at Old Miss, Lane Kiffin, who is an elite recruiter, made Michael Trigg and Jackson Dart feel like they were top priorities. Which, by the way, yeah. um, is something that the best of the best do. When you <clears throat> when you are great with people and relationships, everybody you come into contact with is the most important your person you're coming into contact with. Yeah. And in college football, when you're talking about you know, 18, 19, 20-year-olds, yeah. they want to feel like the king of the world. And I think you know Michael Trigg is a guy 
who could easily get lost in the wash of Jackson Dart. Mm -hmm. Jackson Dart was a top 10 quarterback. He, I think, was the number two recruit in in Utah when he came out two, two years ago now. He's a huge recruit, Jackson Dart. But Michael Trigg is a very talented tight end, a very talented receiving prospect. Yes. He's a guy, in my opinion, Jake, that has just as much value. But obviously the big prize here is Jackson Dart. Mm -hmm. And I think if it was just Jackson Dart, Jackson would be going to BYU. I think his preference, if all things were equal, would be to go to BYU. Yeah. But all things are not equal. And it is always nice to show up in a new place with a familiar face. And I think that Jackson Dart wants to play with Michael Trigg. They want to play together. And I think the only way that happens is if they go to Old Miss. And and as I've said, I believe that they will end up at Old Miss. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think we need to the, the narrative is changing in college football, just generally speaking. I think we're no longer you know, the, the transfer portal is not what I call it anymore. I call it college football free agency because that's what it is. These guys know who they are, they know where they are, and they know where they're going, which is the NFL. And it's just going to be a question of who's going to be the chariot that takes them to millions of dollars in generational wealth. So when I look yes. at this situation, I say, okay, Jackson Dart clearly is somebody, and, and I Michael Trigg to a, a lesser extent, but Jackson Dart clearly is somebody who wants to be in the spotlight. You don't go to USC if you don't want to be in the spotlight. So when I hear, okay, BYU is chasing this kid, you know, Ole Miss is chasing this kid, Oklahoma's chasing this kid, I just simply say, who's not chasing this kid? So it really comes down to, you know, what him and, and Trigg can agree on. And, and to me, when I look at the situation, if I'm Michael Trigg, I look at I look at the great tight ends in college football recently who have uh, who have gone in the NFL. Yes, Florida put out some guy. You know, other programs in the SEC has put out some guys. So to me, if I'm Michael Trigg, yeah, you're damn right. I'm going to the SEC for sure. Not even a question about it. And it's just going to be a matter of what I'm going to have to do with Jackson Dart to make that happen. And so, yeah, I agree. If it was just Jackson Dart, BYU's chances go up exponentially. But being that they're doing this whole package deal thing, I think the SEC is the front runner. I think it has been and always will be. And I think the SEC, with all due respect to BYU, is the fastest track to uh, the NFL. See, I don't know that I agree with that. I think when you look at what has happened at BYU in recent years, and obviously now you're looking at a longer form, and I know that BYU is TDS, and if you want Little to play brother. In the NFL, you're going to go to Utah. Stop well, disrespecting me, bro. Yeah, unless your name is Danny Sorensen or Kyle Vinoy or Fred Warner or, oh, I don't know, um, maybe Zach Wilson who went number two in the draft and to the New York Jets. And BYU is no longer a second-tier program. And I think one of the things that, that BYU has certainly won in this state of Utah is the branding war. But if you're Michael Trigg and, and you know, you're out of Tampa, Florida – Obviously, you'd rather go to Old Miss. It's the SEC. It's the brand you've grown up with, and you're closer to home. Mm -hmm. You're 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 what is he six four two fifty at this point? Yeah. I mean, he is a guy stud that sees his future. And I mean, you look at the the Travis Kelseys of the world, the Rob Gronkowski's Michael of the Pitts. world, Michael Pitts. You look at the the prolific tight ends in the NFL, and you understand that you have a very, as you, as you astutely said, you have a very clear path to the NFL. If you go to old miss, yeah. I just don't think Michael Trigg understands that you have a, a clear path to the NFL at BYU. The issue is always going to be the stigma around the church being LDS, the honor code, 
uh, girls in your dorm room, sex through jeans. I like, just don't think a guy like Michael Trigg wants to worry about any of that, whether it's true sex, or not. I said sex through jeans. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I anyway, understand. Yeah. The point is, mm-hmm. I think you're right. Michael Trigg doesn't want to worry about that. Yeah. I think that, that Jackson Dart, I don't think has any problem with any of the, the you know, the issues, if you will, that 19, 20-year-old kids have with BYU. Um, I think there's a certain lifestyle that comes with BYU that Michael Trigg's not going to be comfortable with. But I also think that, by the way, going to Old Miss with Lane Kiffin is not a half-bad option. No. It's not. Now, all of us that, that follow football in this state understand that BYU brings you ESPN. BYU brings you a Power 5 schedule. BYU brings you access to huge games in front of huge audiences. There is no better football atmosphere in the country this past season than Lavelle Edwards Stadium with that, with the rock, with the fan base, with the sellouts, with the, the enormity of the games. I mean, this is a team that, that was playing for a college football playoff spot uh, right up until the end of the season. I mean, you have huge snaps of the football all throughout September, October, November for BYU this past year. I don't know that Michael Trigg has any idea about that. Oh, wait, certainly he does. They were at USC and they got beat by BYU. So when you look at the situation, I just think a guy like Jackson Dart's going to be a hell of a lot more comfortable at BYU because he knows it. Yeah. This is a local kid. I think, unfortunately for BYU, and the reason I believe that Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg will end up at, 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 at Ole Miss is because Michael Trigg's not coming to BYU. And I think ultimately these two want to play together. Mm -hmm. I will restate again the same thing I've said all along. My firm belief, and from what I'm told, Jackson Dart had an incredible visit at BYU. He he told BYU that he was very impressed with the direction, with the entirety of the program. Um, He told BYU on Saturday, from what I understand, um, that he was leaning towards BYU, but that Michael Trigg was undecided and that Trigg was not going to come and take a visit at BYU. Yeah. And to me, all the writing on the wall says they're going old Miss, and I think that announcement could happen as soon as this morning. Um, but I think, again, it's unfortunate because Jackson Dart, I think, could be a superstar. I think Jackson Dart would be a rock star at BYU. Yeah, and I think he would continue the trend of what, you know, Zach Wilson started. I mean, more importantly, you know, I think that that would be that would be a, 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 a like I said yesterday, I think it'd be a coup in college football if they were able to land Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg as a package deal. I just I think I think the way it looks, like we cover BYU locally, so we know what BYU has to offer. But if you if you zoom out of that and you put yourself in the shoes of uh, a Florida kid who who grew up in the South and is about that culture. Like I think you're 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 asking a lot for a kid from that background to be like, yeah, I want to go to BYU and be in Utah where there's no beaches and it doesn't sound fun at all. Like I don't think that I just don't think that that's realistic. And so, and I also think if you're if you if we think about the dynamic between these two, Jackson Dark and Michael Trigg. I mean, let's be honest. If you're Michael Trigg, you're saying to Jackson Dart, look, dude, no matter where you go, you're going to the league. Like, we just know that. Like, we understand that. You're going to get, you know, like at BYU, you'll be on ESPN and all that good stuff. Like, you're going to make it. I need to go somewhere where I know that I can play in massive college football games no matter what. And that's the SEC. And and I know I'm not saying that BYU doesn't put guys in the league because they do. But I just think it's a lot to ask of a Florida kid 
who doesn't watch BYU, doesn't know BYU, didn't go to Corner Canyon. Like, I just think it's a lot, man. And and that's why I wasn't surprised to hear. Once I once I found out these were this was a package deal type situation, uh, immediately I felt like BYU was out of it just because of the Michael Trigg dynamic, not because Jackson Dart wouldn't go to BYU. Yeah, and I, I think one of the, the things you just have to come to terms with is at BYU, and I think most BYU fans recognize that you're not going to have access to every recruit in the country. You're just not. I mean, obviously, Oklahoma's going to open some, or excuse me, the Big 12's going to open some doors for you. Yeah. Um, but you're not going to have access to, to every kid in, in the country. Yeah. I mean, kids that grow up in Tampa don't know about BYU. They don't know about the LDS Church. What do they, they know about? They know about the Tim Tebow Florida Gator teams. They know about, hey, Alabama and the SEC is a power conference that, that if I'm going to get to the league, i got to go that route. Right? i got to go and, and do some things in the SEC. I have to do that. That's what they know about because that's yeah. where they're from, you know? So, you know, yeah. I mean, if you're BYU and you're looking at recruiting strategy, you have an understanding that because of the dynamics at BYU, and I'm not saying they're bad with the faith and everything. I'm not trying to be negative. But the fact is, is there is a dynamic at play there with kids from the East Coast and the Southeast and all those people. So I just think that overall, BYU is doing a great job. But at the end of the day, you're not, you're not going to get every kid. Yeah. No, and I, I I just think that it it I just don't know that BYU can pull Michael Trigg. And I in fact he, I mean he hasn't even visited BYU. Yeah. So I, I just think that Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg are a package deal. I from what I understand that's been roundly talked about everywhere they've been. Um and I, I think Old Miss offers them the best opportunity to to live that out. Yeah. So I don't think it's a knock on on BYU. I think BYU is going to be very happy with Jaron Hall being injured all year next year again. Um, it's such a frustrating it is. thing. It is, but I also think that it, you really need to invest in, in Jacob Conover now. Yeah. I think that, that if I'm BYU, it's status quo. I'm developing that kid because I, I understand that I am the only singular guy in this state outside of – Jacob Conover, who believes in Jacob Conover. You're I a casual. Yeah, I, I'm a casual. I get it. <laughs> I, be, I believe the I believe the guy can play at a very high level. Um, you know, I I think when you look at when you look at his skill set and you look at where he's come from, the kid is no slouch. Yet he's not getting opportunities. And I think, and I love Kalani Sataki. I am a supporter. I think he made a terrible, terrible mashup of the quarterback situation last year in my opinion you should have played Jackson Dart uh, or excuse me you should have played Jacob Conover and I understand why you want to go and get Jackson Dart but please do not make Jackson Dart an indictment on Jacob Conover which some BYU fans are doing yeah because I think that's a mistake yeah Jacob Conover's a guy that that has the talent to take you everywhere that you want to go and I will again say that Jaron Hall's not some throwaway terrible quarterback but he's not elite. He is an average quarterback. Mm -hmm. I and and until he until he gets himself to a place where he can play 10 12 games and be a guy that can take a hit and can be more durable because he's a mobile quarterback. If if Jaron Hall is standing in the pocket throwing the football, he's not nearly as complete as he is when he runs. Yeah. But when he runs he gets hurt. Yeah. And I'm telling you now, I I, I can only say it so many times. Your best ability is your availability. And if Jaron Hall's not going to play 10, 12 games a year, what's the point? Yeah. 
because it, it, it you 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 cannot continue to play two quarterbacks every year. Look at the teams that win at a very high level. Physically, they are on a different level than BYU. And I think when 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 you look across the the, the country and you look at the young quarterbacks that are impacting teams, I, go no further than Georgia. Stetson is a stud. Like he's a guy who who steps in. JT Daniels transfers again. Like mm-hmm. you you have the opportunity with these young guys to develop them and turn them into you know, franchise level quarterbacks. Well, and I think that's what the great programs do. I mean, I, I think that the truth of the matter is, is like we can talk about how good BYU has been at recruiting and like, you know, doing things and, and making things happen and, and bringing in, you know, names like Zach Wilson. But the fact is, is 90% of the recruiting pool is like, you know, if you believe in the star system or whatever, just as an example, you know, you're looking at one or two star guys that you need to turn into four-star, four-and-a-half-star, even maybe a five-star recruit. It's your job as a program yeah. to, 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 to be, you know, for lack of a better terminology, a, uh, a football factory. Hey, I'm going to take this kid in Jackson Dart who went to Corner Canyon and clearly has talent, but maybe his motion sucks. Maybe he throws the ball in a very inefficient way, and I'm going to develop that, and I'm going to turn him and, and put him in a position to be successful that so that in his junior year when we start his ass on the field against Utah in the in the in the in the holy war he's capable and he can throw that 70 yard bomb down the field. I mean that's what that's what the great programs do. That's what Florida and Alabama and Ole Miss have done. You know, that's what you know, that's where your Johnny Manziel's come from. You know, that's where the great names in college football are made. But I think you also look at the transfer portal now and the way it's changed. I mean, I, I look at a guy like a Jalen Hurts, a, uh, a Kyler Murray. I look at yeah. guys like a Russell Wilson mm-hmm. who changed schools mid-career and, and went on to be dominant performers. I, I don't think there is any shame. It, it, we tend to demean guys that transfer. And I know historically it is very difficult to transfer and be a stud. But that's not the case anymore. Yeah. And I that's why I say a guy like Jackson Dart coming to Provo, I think he would absolutely be a stud here. Yeah. And I think he would absolutely be at the top of the draft board when he when he goes out. But I'm telling you, he's I my firm belief is in what most people and I, I think without directly telling me, I think most people in Provo believe he's gonna end up at Old Miss. Yeah. Because they just I think it they they're resigned to the fact they don't have a chance to even recruit Michael Trigg because he's not interested. And I think I think if you're BYU, you shouldn't feel like, oh man, we like we just we're just not good enough to go and get Michael Trigg. I just think it, it's not really a not good enough conversation. It's no, more, not it's, at all. it's more about the dynamic and what the kid wants and what the kid is looking for. But I also think what it tells you is that there is a branding messaging challenge at BYU. Because I, 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 yeah, hurdle. That's the right yeah. word. Because I, I do think that Kalani Sataki, and I think Bronco started this as well. Um, the days of the, the disgrace and the have to withdraw and the, you know, the, the, the Harvey Unga situations right. at BYU, I think those days are behind us. Mm-hmm. I think if you look at Jamal Williams and his situation and, the, the, the things he went through at, at BYU and the time he pulled away from the program. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy still winds up an integral part of the Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions. Yeah. You know, you, you look at, you can do it. 
It is, are there some guys that are going to have challenges at BYU? Sure there are. But again, I just go back to the fact that we now have a transfer portal. And you want to be a hot commodity? Be a hot commodity. I think it's it's 61% of SEC kids in the transfer portal have found a new home. And I think the, the question we should also ask, and I, and I don't mean to turn this into a you know, uh, a BYU versus Utah thing, but I think it's no secret that Utah has never had, you know, with all due respect to Cam Rising, Utah has never, or in recent history, I shouldn't say never, but in recent history hasn't had the big-time quarterback name, you know, and come into the program and, like, really change the fate of the offense at that program. So, to me, when I I hear about Jackson Dart and BYU and, and this whole dynamic, I also think, why are we not hearing about Utah being in this mix? Why are we not hearing about... Utah at least going after him and, and trying. I mean, I understand if you can't get him, but at least try. I think Kyle Whittingham's one, you know, one real, you know, oddity, one knock against him has been his inability to recruit a dynamic quarterback. But I, I don't know that he's really looking for that. Yeah. I think he much I, – I think Kyle Whittingham would love a game manager and a really good defense. Yeah. A, a national – well, that's what they've been. Defense. That's and, what they've been. And I think that's who you are as a program. And I think any expectation to the to the to to the variant there is is a mistake. Whereas at BYU, you've consistently had prolific performers at the quarterback position. And I think that, you know, you look at look at Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill's an NFL quarterback. Taters. You know, like the Taysomator. Taters, please. Um, the Taysomator. You look at I, I know you, you get my point. Like BYU is a quarterback school. Mm-hmm. Like that is, you can expect to perform at a high level. Yeah, and you can expect to go at the top of the draft if you perform at a high level. You know, like I mean, you're you're going to have the Tanner Mangums of the world. Mm-hmm. But I think for every Tanner Mangum, you've had a a Taysom Hill, a Zach Wilson. Mm-hmm. You know, you you look at you have a you have a Heisman Trophy winner. Like you have lineage and history at BYU, and I I just. You know, and I probably inflate BYU's value more than most, but I think I see a clear path to the NFL there. I don't think it's too much to say there's a clear path to the NFL. I, I don't think the, – the conversation now more than ever, it, like the whole concept of, oh, well, BYU can't put guys in the league is just a it, – it's just a garbage take. I mean, you're, you're, yeah. you've got a laundry list of guys in, in the last five years who have gone to the league who had awesome careers at BYU. So the conversation is not – hey, does BYU put guys in the league? Yes, BYU puts guys in the league. But the conversation really is, and again, this doesn't really apply to Jackson Dart because Jackson Dart, I agree, would go to BYU in a second if Michael Trigg wasn't, you know, this whole package deal thing wasn't a thing. But again, I think the conversation is BYU is not attractive to an athlete from the Southeast who grew up going to the beach, who grew up with, with in a warm climate. Yeah. Like, like again, just on a surface level, you know, again, you're going from Florida weather, you know, beaches, friends, hometown feelings, you know, the SEC, well, like let's all not, that stuff. Let's not underwrite the fact that, you know, Michael Trigg is black. Yeah. And I, I think there's also, you know, and, and I write it off largely when I hear it, but I think there's also a stigma that African-Americans – in Provo, there's not a huge black community in Provo. No, there's not. There's not. And I, I think that the minority community is something that I think is is underserved largely in our state. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
I, I think when you grow up in, in, in the cities in, in Florida, you see a lot of people who look like you. And frankly, I think when you come to Utah and specifically when you go to Provo and, and you're black or Latino, I don't think you see a lot of people that look like you. No. And I think that matters. Yeah. I, I, honest to goodness. I think outside of, I, I think outside of the football program, you're going to have trouble finding a, a, a lot of, of community. If, if you're a black man in Provo, you're going to have a, a tough time finding a lot of community. Yeah. I just, and I think that's just generally speaking, I don't even think that's a BYU thing. I think that's a, that's a, that's a state of Utah thing. I mean, yes. we've lived, you know, a brief history on us. I mean, we've lived everywhere from, you know, Chicago, St. Louis, uh, you know, LA. Southern California, the Bay Area, Phoenix. I mean, we've we've lived in a lot of places. The difference between the Bay Area and Utah is night and day. I mean, and and again, I just look at when I look at the Western, the West Coast, and football on the West Coast. Yeah, I think you look at Oregon's a better example, right? I mean, it's Eugene, Oregon, right? That that's not a melting pot. But you also have Justin Herbert and Marcus Mariota that are both in the NFL, yep. right? I, if I look at, you know, if, if I look at USC, I mean, USC's got a laundry list of Heisman Trophy candidates and it's quarterback you, right? Reggie. You're, you have to compete against that Yes. if you are BYU. And then when you go into the, into the Big 12, and I think this is an advantage for BYU, when you go into the Big 12, it's not like you have a massive quarterback history in, in the Big 12. Because let's be honest, you don't. I mean, if you look at recent times, I mean, obviously Baker and Kyler at Oklahoma and, and to a lesser extent, um, you know, I, I look across the, the Texas. When's the last time Texas had a prolific quarterback in the NFL? I don't even know that Vince Young counts. Sam Ellinger is the last big name to come out of Texas. <laughs> and what has Sam Ellinger and done? He's been a backup. I mean, it's so he's, to me, just so you know, he's in Indy as a backup. Yeah. I think to me, um, you know, I look at Jalen hurts, Jalen hurts is probably right now. Um, you know, one of the bigger names to come out of Oklahoma and he started at Alabama. I yep. look at, I just think that BYU has a, a big history advantage on a lot of programs in the big 12. I mean, but does that outweigh some of those stigmas and challenges that we've discussed. I think it does. I, I think it does. I mean, kids care about being on national TV and kids care about going to the NFL. Yeah, that ESPN contract is a huge thing. Well, and I also think the last five years of putting consistently putting guys in the NFL and you got a bunch of BYU alums that are walking around with Super Bowl rings. I yeah, mean, that's true. You, you think about that's that true. and you look at, at Fred Warner. Yeah. I mean, that guy, he's arguably the best middle linebacker in the NFL. Yeah, and by the way, he won those Super Bowls before even coming into his prime as an athlete. I mean, now he's well, coming Ka into his prime. I think Kyle Van Oy is is a guy that is who you're talking about oh, coming yeah, into Van his Oye, prime. Yeah. But I look at Fred Warner being, yeah. being one of the best middle linebackers in the NFL on a marquee franchise in San Francisco. But mm -hmm. Van Oy is interesting to me yeah. because Kyle Van Oy is, is, is you know, a dark-skinned guy that has Super Bowl rings, and he went to BYU. And by the way, it's not BYU, it's Brigham, okay? It's thank Brigham, you. thank you, thank you, Kyle. But I think all of that made to, – to round this conversation out, yeah. I think Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg are going to Ole Miss. Yeah. I think that's where most people are leaning, and I think the uh, – but I do think the future's bright, and I'm begging you, Kalani Sataki, develop Jacob Conover. Have an open quarterback competition because I am telling you, as much as I respect 
when Jaron Hall is 100%, the guy's a difference maker, but he rarely is. Yeah. And Jacob Conover's a stud, and he is waiting to happen. Let's get yeah, some of your question. Yeah, let's get some of your comments in here. And again, I'm really sorry. A lot of people are asking when the audio starts. I think we started about 10 after, 10 minutes into the into the the video today. Yeah, we had some technical difficulties and stuff. Yeah, we use an iPad to connect to Amiibo and to stuff. your mom. And yeah. It just didn't work um, today for whatever reason. Uh, let's see. Good morning, guys. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure where you're getting your information, but I think they're going to Oklahoma. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Could be. Maybe they end up at Oklahoma. Jeremy Bolton says BYU doesn't need Jackson. We have a better version anyway of him. See Exhibit A, Jaron F. Hall. No, Jeremy, we're not doing that. I love you, dude. Jackson Dart is a superior quarterback to anybody that is, that is on the BYU roster. He would be the best quarterback in the state of Utah. I, I, I have Just no saying. doubt about that. Just saying. I, I mean, I, I – and by the way, if you have the opportunity to add a talent like Jackson Dart to your quarterback roster, you would absolutely do it. You would you would absolutely do it. Yeah. Now, if he doesn't go to BYU, nothing changes. The world is not ending. You have talent at quarterback at BYU. You just need to develop that. Um, Jeremy Bolton also says, I say the total, I say that totally tongue in cheek. I'd actually love to have Dart come into BYU. More competition is better. Chris Karn, good morning to you. Dart would, uh, Levi love his way to the NFL in Provo. I see jeans. Levi. Right. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Through, right. Okay. Mark Stevens says, when does the audio start at about 10 minutes? Uh, Jalen Mayaski. Sorry if I got that wrong. Bama, Clemson, Oklahoma all have elite QB talent throughout their QB rooms. If you want to be like them, we need to recruit like them. Kalani wouldn't recruit someone if he didn't think uh, would help the, the program. I agree with that. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Chris Carn says, Conover had an offer from Alla effing Bama. He's the real deal and needs a legit shot. I agree. I, I think – I don't know why BYU fans soured so much on Jacob Conover. Yeah, I don't get it. I, I really – I don't understand it. You know what I mean? It, it, it is baffling. Uh, Jalen says, Dart is proven. I'm taking Dart. He has experience, not discrediting Conover. I think he's legit, but you take the QB that has the experience. Same reason Romney was second string over Conover. Absolutely. I mean, if Jackson Dart chooses BYU, I think he's not number two. I think he's number one. And absolutely, Jacob Conover in that situation, I'd have it be Dart, Conover, Jaron Hall. I'd have them compete and then make a decision. But I would do everything I can do to take the youngest guy that's got the best talent and, and make him a number one and develop him. In that, in that group, you know, if the season started today, I would go Dart, Jaron Hall, and Jacob Conover. And my guess is if, J if Jackson Dart shows up, Jacob Conover is going to transfer. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Why wouldn't you? You're a prolific talent that needs to play. Yeah. And I think being third on a depth chart is not the way to get to the NFL. Um, let's see. Chris Karn also says Dart has played three games at USC, played at an elite level for one half of those three games. His upside is huge, but I'm not sure he's proven yet. I would agree with that. Yep. And it, Chris also says Utah's where mid-level QBs go to die. Man, have we seen that happen? Cam Rising did change the program. We were one and two when he took over, but he took over for a noodle arm, mentally soft quitter. Yeah. And he played really well. Um, and we won the Pac-12, went to the Rose Bowl. I mean, if that isn't taking over, I don't know what is. Yeah, I agree with you I on mean, that. yeah, he took over the program. But my point is, is Cam Rising is not uh, – Cam Rising wouldn't start on a national championship team. He wouldn't. That's just not 
Like he can win you a conference, sure, but he's not he's not a good enough quarterback to be the best of the best in the country. And that's what I think Utah's, you know, and I don't think it'll happen with Kyle Whittingham because Kyle Whittingham likes defense and likes running backs, you know. But I do think at some point, you know, whether you're BYU or Utah, you got to start having that mindset. Hey, who like who do we need to go and get to compete against the best teams in the country? You know, because that's what you're playing for at this point. Yeah, and I, I think when I think of the best quarterbacks in the country, I mean, obviously you're talking about guys like Bryce Young, um, Stetson Bennett, C.J. Stroud at, o- at uh, Ohio State. Um, you know, Caleb Williams is in the portal. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a Heisman Trophy guy from Oklahoma. Um, he's in the portal. He has not committed to USC yet, which is interesting. I think a lot of people are wondering what he's doing. Can you imagine if Jackson Dart goes to Ole Miss and USC loses out on Caleb Williams? Yeah, that'd be rough. That'd be rough. But anyway, I, I mean, I, I think Cam Rising's a top 10 quarterback in the country. I mean, um, I think he, I know he's number six on total QBR at ESPN. So, yeah. I mean, you, you look that at him. That might be true, but the, I don't think that he passes the eye test in terms of the best of the best. Well, he's, he's not, he's, again, he's not Stroud, Young, Bennett. Yeah. Williams I mean he's not that guy I don't even know that he's you know a guy like a, a Matt Carroll I, I I don't know I mean I, I I look at guys like um you know Dorian Thompson Robinson yeah. that's a guy that you can replace yeah you know but then again you play for Chip Kelly I, that system's complex like I just think uh, my, my point in all of this is yeah you have a dearth of talent at Utah and, and BYU yeah you need to you need to rise those those ships right you need Mm -hmm. you need the tide to come up Jackson Dart does that he makes every quarterback in the state better the moment that he he steps into BYU which unfortunately I don't think is going to happen um all right let's get to the Utah Jazz because I think this situation last night after you subscribe to win the the Xbox Series X all you have to do is subscribe um and by the way we're also giving away a PS5 um he's going to lift it again yeah because uh, the audio wasn't working before. So there you go. go. PS5 giving yeah. it away on uh, TikTok. All you have to do is follow us on TikTok. It has breathtaking immersion. It's amazing. Lightning speed. I mean, we picked up hundreds of, of, of followers on TikTok, which, by the way, this whole wisely chosen account with Reddit stories is crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Uh, we, we've picked up a hundred followers on TikTok since the show started. So, um, let's go, let's go, go, baby. Uh, once we get to 5,000 on TikTok and we're well over halfway there now, uh, we'll give away that PS five. Um, the Utah jazz last night sat all five of their starters. Um, you know, Rudy with this calf bogey with this finger that he's played through already. So why couldn't he play yesterday? Don't know. Uh, Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Everybody sat. Right, right. They lose a very hard-fought game to the Phoenix Suns, who, by the way, without were without two of their starters. Um, I thought the Utah Jazz fought a valiant fight last night. Um, but did you like the fact that they sat all of their starters? The yeah, Jazz? you know, this is such a tough thing because I understand the logic behind it. Hey, Rudy's out. Don's out. And we're playing the Phoenix Suns at their place. All right, this seems like an opportune time to rest Mike Conley on a back-to-back to get all the young guys' minutes. You know, I, so I understand the logic behind it, and I'm not going to sit here and 
and criticize them and say that they should try to win every game. I understand that this is part of business in the NBA. Yes. But on the other side of that, you know, last night I'm watching this game and I'm like, damn, dude, like, you know, when you look at this on paper, you're like, man, this is a premier matchup. We're going to get Donovan Mitchell against Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And, you know, we're going to get Rudy and Aiton. And, like, you know, you have all these awesome matchups within the game. And then you roll up on it and nobody's playing really. I mean, yeah, obviously Book and CP played, but you didn't have DeAndre Ayton. You know, you didn't have a couple other guys. And, and obviously the Jazz had all their guys. So it's like, you know, if you're a fan going to this game, I mean, haven't you wasted your money essentially? At that point? Yeah, and, and that's the hard part, and this is what the NBA is going to pay attention to. And we've we've had this scenario kind of in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this was Kobe's mantra. This is LeBron's mantra. You know, I play every game I can possibly play because what if this was the one game that a fan got to see me play and he bought a ticket to watch me play? Yeah. I don't know that the Jazz have players on that level. But what I do know is – I think it takes away from the product. The The Phoenix Suns clearly played down last night. I mean, I think Devin Booker was 3 of 13 from 3. Um, you know, they just did not play great basketball last night. Now, a lot of that is you had a, a bunch of hard-charging young guys um, playing for the, the Utah Jazz who played great basketball for their for their skill set. Yeah. I think it was nice to see Trent Forrest get long exposure last night. I think it's nice to see guys like Jordan Clarkson starting. Um, and then the turnovers happen, and you're like, nah, maybe not. Uh, but anyway, the point is, <laughs> you you look at the the things that worry you is you clearly understand why Hassan Whiteside's a 20 minute a night guy. Yeah, because he comes out of the gate with zero energy in the first half. Um, you know, the, which, which concerns you. But the NBA is going to take a long look at that. Mm-hmm. Like the and the bogey injury is interesting because he's got this ligament that's off the bone in his finger. But he's had this problem all year long. Yeah. All year long, essentially, he's had this problem. And you sit him last night. And obviously, you're resting Mike Conley on back-to-backs. And Donovan Mitchell's in concussion protocol. And Rudy's got a calf. And just stuff. I'm not saying that they sat guys to throw this game away. But did the Utah Jazz sit guys because they wanted to not really particularly care about winning this game? Because they have the Suns tomorrow night at home, that kind of feels like what happened here. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I don't think it's it, I, I don't think it is taboo to say yeah they like they threw this one like not from a betting standpoint, but just like hey like we've got injuries and we're going on the road to play the Suns like this is probably not you know a game that is worth fighting for you know whereas at home at our place we could kind of see fighting for that one you know so I don't know I just you know not, not that I, I don't want it to turn into we're criticizing the jazz on this but you know I just I just was watching that and I was like damn dude like you know it doesn't seem like like bogey could have played Mike think, definitely could have played but I think this is a this is a result of a really heavy schedule I mean it you're, is you're you're this road grind has been tough now you're you're back to back home at home with the the Suns. Yeah, I mean you you're you're this schedule has been tough. Last night was a back to back. Well, right? and I think I mean, they know they're in the midst of this this ass kicker couple of week trend here, where yeah. you're playing a bunch of playoff teams and leading up to the leading up to the the, the All Star break. And I the, mean, the, yeah, the All Star break. Yeah. I, I think you're looking at a, a situation where you know it is what it is. It be what it be. Um, I think you went into Phoenix last night and. Obviously, without Jay Crowder and DeAndre Ayton, um, those two did not play last night. But, you, I mean, you're looking at still what is a formidable team. I think Bismack Biombo has been a great pickup for the Suns. Yep. Um, he gave you a double-double last night. 
Um, and even with Devin Booker taking, I think he scored 33 points on 35 shots or something stupid like that. Um, it, I mean, they did not play well last night. Mm. And the Jazz had a chance to win that game. And I give the Jazz every accolade because I, I think you're seeing, and this is inevitably where this goes, but you're seeing that you have more talent at the end of the bench than Quinn is willing to play. Yeah. And that's, to me, that's frustrating. That's it, it is. I, I again say that every time I see Yudoka Azabuki, he's not an NBA player. Mm -hmm. I look at Trent Forrest <coughs> and I'm not sure he's an NBA player. He can't shoot. Um, but I love that he attacks the basket. I love that he defends with vigor. Um, you know, I, I look at the, the, I look at the group you ran out there last night. Daniel House gave you some really competitive minutes yeah, last night. tried to end some people at the rim. <laughs> it didn't work out. That didn't work out. I, I mean, JaVale McGee beat the hell out of Hassan Whiteside last night. Yeah. I mean, JaVale McGee, is, I mean, was was probably the best big they played in that game. They played him 17 minutes. You know, like, it, it's the luxury of depth. Signing Bismack Biombo could could really be one of the more critical signings of the year. Yeah. If DeAndre Ayton's not going to be healthy and you can only ask Bismack Biombo to play 15, 20 minutes a night and he's going to give you the the production, I think Biombo played 31 last night and gave you 16 and 13. It's a pretty good performance out That's of him. That's a uh, uh, for your number 2 center. Yeah. When your number 1 last night was JaVale McGee, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, I mean you're talking about a guy who is definitely a role player bench kind of guy. I mean that's that's a good performance and I think I don't know, man, I just want this the issues around this Jazz team to to get resolved. I I, I want to stop hearing about injuries and concussions and and you know conspiracy theories about Donovan Mitchell looking for a trade and that he doesn't actually have a concussion and like you know, all this stuff that's happening, I just want it to end, and I just want him to play good basketball again, and well, I feel like that's so far away. But we do have one more night of Devin Booker sucks from Jazz fans, which yeah, I casual. think – Yeah, which is hysterical. I, I, it still amazes me how much vitriol and hate Jazz fans have for Devin Booker you, as though he did something to the Jazz. You have local Jazz media guys last night going on Twitter and saying, oh, well – you know, nobody nobody likes to beat up on a bad team more than Devin Booker. Yeah, what is he supposed to do? He's paid to score. score. What do you want Which him to do? Which I don't understand. I don't understand why Jazz fans hate Devin Booker so much. I don't like, get it, dude. It's, it's not like... It's not his fault that Dennis Lindsay was a bad drafter of talent. It's not his fault that the Jazz sat everybody last night. You like, know. <laughs> it, it, it is funny to me. I, I just... I think what's what's funny is people, you know, somebody, I think it was Brandon Whiteside saying, Booker, where is Brandon Whiteside? Booker had to flop against the bench warmers to win. You're telling me the Jazz don't flop all the time every game and complain constantly and obsessively. Bogdanovich and Rudy Gobert complain as much as anybody in the NBA. Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles flops. Joe Ingles is a borderline dirty player at times. Yeah. And you're going to complain that Devin Booker's a flopper. You're really going to complain about that. Are you kidding me? Like, if, if, you, if you're going to hate every player that flops, you will not have a player in this league. You will not be a fan of any player in this league. Yeah. And it, it's just it's, – it's amazing to me that you don't realize that Devin Booker should have been on the Utah Jazz. He should have been a Jazz man. And they passed on him, and it was a huge mistake. Or you do realize it, and that's the reason you hate on him. I mean, listen, Devin Booker is a lot of things. Is he soft? Yeah, a little bit he is soft. 
But Devin Booker also now is an elite scorer, and, and he's become a very good defender. And he's been to the NBA Finals. You know, like he is a guy that that he's one of the best mid-range players in the game. I think he was 3 of 13 from 3 last night. Had a, an abysmal shooting night. And he's still shooting, I think, 37% from 3 on the year. He's an elite scorer. Like, if you're going to hate on Devin Booker, you're going to spend a lot of time on the wrong end of it. Yeah. And I just – I want to understand, and if any Jazz fan wants to explain it, I would love to ex- understand why Jazz fans hate Devin Booker so much. Yeah. Because it is not his fault Dennis Lindsay did not draft him. It's not. Him. It's just not. Um, let's see. Uh, James Knight says, hey, guys, on a serious note, did the authorities catch the sniper that got Devin Booker last night? Um. Yeah, whatever. Cam Rising screwed his team by getting injured in the Rose Bowl, and his replacement came in and threw a touchdown. Joshua Erickson says, I think we still need depth at the wing with defenders, but if Quinn learned anything last night, I think he may have found out more than just, quote, his guys can contribute and actually give a damn and show effort. Yeah, dude. I would agree with that. It's the NBA who creates a heavy schedule with forces teams to manage, guys, James says. Yep. I agree. Yep. Uh, Monty, I would take you to play backup at the five over Whiteside. He is putrid. He's I, a bum. I don't know that Hassan Whiteside's a bum or putrid. He is just wildly inconsistent with his effort and energy. Which is why he's a backup instead of a starter. Which, yeah, which is why he's not in Miami or Portland anymore. I mean, the guy, if you go look at his contracts, he's gotten paid. And he's disappointed as a starter. That's why he's not a number one. Uh, angry Atsley says jazz suck Lakers in six. Okay. Rec one says flop isn't a shame as long as it works. And it did work last night. It did. Devin Booker got Eric Pascal last night on a flop. It was a flop. Absolutely. Owned, but he got it. Teddy Wayman. What's up? Utah should have drafted Devin Booker should have for sure. I don't know. I'm not going down the draft hole with the jazz. Cause we all we know ain't where got that, time for that, bro. We all know where we, that's we going to take We us. ain't got time for how many times they've missed a couple of quick NFL notes yeah here we are again talking about Aaron Rodgers what a douche and bro. is he going to be a Packer is like, he going to keep playing and yeah, uh, be nice. I don't know and we've got you know all the Packers saying oh Aaron's our guy and we want him back and our plan is we're moving forward as though he's coming back what are you must fuck off I am so <laughs> done with Aaron Rodgers in the drama in the is he coming back Oh, man. Oh, wow. It, You're Aaron oh, fucking Rodgers. I don't care. I don't I don't care. Go break somebody else's heart. Go <laughs> like go live in Hawaii and drown in a waterfall. Like I just I don't <laughs> care. Like I really I, I there are a few athletes on this earth that I despise more than Aaron Rodgers. And the guy is just a prima donna. And I can honestly say my the truth is if he had one more. I would probably respect him more. But he, <laughs> he brings all this baggage this year with this COVID crap and the immunized and the COVID toe and the Joe Rogan and now go Brandon. And yeah, I've been immunized. Jo, you know, Joe Biden's an asshole. And you're just not worth it because ultimately at the end of the day, you've lost and you lose every year in the playoffs. <laughs> you guys win like 13 games a year and you lose in the playoffs. Yep. You're not worth it. You're not Jordan Love is not an NFL quarterback right now, but you're not worth it, Aaron Rodgers. I I mean, do we really play this game to win in the regular season and go home? You were at home. You you were at Lambeau Field. It was freezing cold, snowing. A team from California came in and beat you. Now, granted, your special 
Yeah, your special teams were terrible. Yeah. Terrible. But Aaron Rodgers wasn't exactly special. No. Right? Like, to me, he's just not worth it. No. And I'm over all of this nonsense with Aaron Rodgers. We treat him like he's the Jesus Christ of football. And that's mainly because he's one of the best regular season quarterbacks the league's ever seen. But he doesn't win at the highest level in the sport. Yeah. And I, I and, just, and I agree that he's not worth the trouble that he brings. He's just not. Yeah, I, I just if you're gonna be that guy, you you damn well better be making a ton of Super Bowl appearances. Tom Brady's worth it. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. There was okay. a guy seven rings, yep. whatever it is. Tom yep. Brady's worth it. Yep. Aaron Rodgers is not. Do you see the contrast between the two? Now, admittedly, Tom Brady mouth kisses his son his son. That's a little weird for me. Cock a doodle doo. But he's worth it because he wins. He wins. I should probably let the mouth kissing his kid thing go. I mean, it's part of his legacy. It was on Facebook. Yeah. Anyway, the point is, the point is, Tom Brady's worth it. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers is not. Like that, and and that's what I look at. Like Russell Wilson is an interesting situation because he may be there, he may not be there. He don't want to be there. They don't want him there. They want him there. He wants to be there. Who the knows? <laughs> Russell Wilson's worth it. He's an MVP caliber quarterback. He's worth it. And he's at home banging a hot piece of hmm, right? You got Tom Brady, who's at home right now, feasting on Giselle's Bunchton. <laughs> okay. Right? I mean, these, Here's guys, the are, thing. these With, guys are all worth it. I'm telling you, Aaron Rodgers is not. But, like, so Tom's got the rings, and that's the trump card on Aaron Rodgers. Absolutely. Russell Wilson doesn't have anything on Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, he just doesn't. I mean, the only thing that Russell Wilson's got going for him is that he's not a troublemaker like like Aaron Rodgers is. That's the only difference. He hasn't really won they more. They both got one Super Bowl. Like, he hasn't really won more. You know, he, he, he threw the ball instead of handing it off. Like, I mean, there's each of them, Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, have equally boneheaded mistakes and things that they've done in the postseason to lose. So, as far as I'm concerned, on the field, their performance is the same. But it's the off-the-field press conference, rolling into minicamp or training camp three weeks late that really rubs me the wrong way about Aaron Rodgers. Limit Zio says, y'all hating on him for having his own opinion. No, I'm not. I don't mind if Aaron Rodgers, look, and this is pandemic-wide. If you're an anti-vaxxer, cool, man. Yeah, I've been immunized. That's cool. I'm, I'm down. You have It is your right to, to die from COVID. Knock yourself out, bro. Pack I'm, your shit. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not judging you. I don't care that you, that Aaron Rodgers is anti-vax. Yeah, I, I'm an immunized. I don't care that he's a Republican. I don't <laughs> care. You know what I care about? Aaron Rodgers values Aaron Rodgers more than he values the Packers. You're a quarterback. You're supposedly an MVP. You want to be paid like the best quarterback in the NFL, but you don't want to go to training camp every year. You Where want, is A.A. Ron right now? He's in Hawaii banging a, a hot actress who's, well, relatively. Dude, she's fine, bro. She's Come like on. a three. Dude, Shailene Woodley. Uh, no. You know. That is disrespectful. She is not a three. I don't know. Based on your history. Yeah, casual. Of, yeah. Dude, don't, you, don't, you don't watch. You don't watch. You haven't seen the Divergent series. Come on. Yes, I have. I've seen all of them. Come on, guy. But the problem is, in real life, she doesn't wear leather, shoot, leather suits and shoot arrows all over the place. Well. Now, if she was Jennifer Lawrence, she'd be hot. Right. But she'd also be passed around like a dinner roll. Wow. Anyway, the point is. Wow. Wow. Go Hawks. Wow. Jennifer Lawrence that has been with some dudes. That was just said. Jennifer Lawrence has been with some dudes. Anyway, the point is, Aaron Rodgers treats people horribly. 
He doesn't respect people. Hmm. By all accounts, he's really possessive and and controlling over his women. Facts. I don't know. You break up with a bunch of hot chicks. I mean, who's next? Lindsey Vaughn? She dates every asshole on the planet, apparently. <laughs> so if, I wouldn't be surprised. But my point is, I'm not hating on Aaron Rodgers because he's anti-vax. I'm hating on Aaron Rodgers because he's a dick. That's that. It's that simple. He's just not a guy who... Like, are you really telling me you're rooting for Aaron Rodgers? If you're not a Packer fan, are you telling me you're rooting for Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, I've been immunized. I don't think you are. And if you are, why are you rooting for Aaron Rodgers? Anyway. It's a great question. Tom Brady is worth it. What are the people saying? Let's see. <laughs> um, eBay the Sopa Surfer, your comment got held for review. I cannot see it. James Knight said the question remains on the I hate you death meter. Who wins out, Aaron Rodgers or Rudy Gobert? I don't hate Rudy Gobert. <laughs> I, I don't hate Rudy Gobert. Okay, we don't hate Rudy Gobert, but that was really well done. That was really well done. <laughs> I give you a lot of credit for that one. That was good. The eBay the Sofa Surfer says Brett Favre didn't do training camp the second half of his career either, and Favre is a boss. No, he's not. He's... What do you mean his, Brett Favre is a boss? He sent a picture of his cock to a cheerleader. And he's <laughs> a boss for that? <laughs> he went to the Jets, was a miserable failure, went to the Vikings, failed. He's a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers. But come on, man. Come on, man. Joshua Erickson says, and Aaron Rodgers isn't Brett Favre. Favre gave a shit and didn't consistently cause issues and throws his teammates under the bus every loss or blame all his issues on the front office. True. And Aaron Rodgers actually could blame all his issues on the special team. How bad are the Packers special teams? Bad enough that we're sitting here telling everybody that Aaron Rodgers sucks. By the way, how do you get a a, a, a field goal block? Didn't they have a field goal and a punt block? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the special teams is why they lost that game. But Aaron Rodgers did not help them at all. Yeah. Uh, James Knight says anti-vax and a dick. One in the same. Pretty yeah, much. Pretty much. Yeah, I've been immunized. eBay the Sofa Surfer says Aikman loves A-Rod. Well... I could make a joke about penises, but I won't. Uh, who cares about Favre's dick pic? Well, Jen Sturger cares. I mean, I would guess. Don't be rude. You know. All right. Because we're short on time. Yeah. Um, hi, Jake. I'm trying to decide how best to put. So we may have bought a condo yesterday. May have. Um, we got under contract on a on a investment property, a buy and hold. Uh -huh. And so a lot of people were asking yesterday about, ooh, real estate. What are you doing? What are you doing? I want to do real estate. Real estate is not for the faint of heart. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's why you need to follow us on TikTok so that you can win a PS5, The Monty Show, mm -hmm. underscore. It's The Monty Show underscore on TikTok. Mm -hmm. uh, we, when we get to 5,000 followers on TikTok, and we just picked up 38 more, Jesus. Uh, yeah, Dude. we're almost at 2,800 now. Bro. So let's go. <laughs> um, but what we're doing on real estate is pretty simple. We're trying to get into buy and holds. We originally, we flipped a lot of houses, and it's one of the things that I'm truly passionate about. But the wholesale market right now is a little crazy. Mm -hmm. And so... We're getting into buy and holds now. And so we, we got under contract on a condo yesterday. Yeah. 
And it'll be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out because it's very low risk. It is, I mean, it's, I, I will simply, without giving details, say it's under $300,000. It's a perfect rental property. Um, and it should, you know, accelerate in value very quickly. Mm -hmm. I mean, it should go up in value very quickly. So I, I feel like it's a really good thing. But the question is now the strategy moving forward, because I, I mean, I, I am not in this world to collect a paycheck. Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer in this. And, and as I was talking about with Chris Karn yesterday and uh, who sent me a great audio book, um, you've got to learn to manipulate the tax code because the tax code is not set up for you to collect a paycheck. And so for me right now, with this condo, I, I need to be able to leverage that condo to do other things, mm -hmm. either pick up more buy and hold property. Um, you know, I obviously I, I, I am going to do something with it because I honestly think real estate still is, is the place is, and it's made well, it's it through the pandemic. Be. It's always going to be. I mean, there's never going to be a time when people don't need a place to live, you know, like, I mean, that just is the way it works, you know, and, and I think that the reason you know certain aspects of real estate are bulletproof be is because there's just a need i mean if you think about you know what things in life do you absolutely have to have well you need food water you know a place to live and yeah. you know and most people need a car well you know the interesting thing about this this condo that we picked up is it was pretty competitive um you know we we used a uh you know a you know, some strategy in that, you know, we were talking to our mortgage guy, Devery, um, you know, about, you know, writing offer. And I mean, we just came up with a strategy to win this particular property. Right. And I think that's what you have to do when you're buying real estate. It is very, very difficult to compete because you're probably competing, you know, at the height of the pandemic, you were competing against 20, 30, 40 other contracts. Yeah. Now you're probably competing. And I guess there were two other, there were two of us, three of us on this particular one. Um, but, you know, you have to have strategies in place to win. Yeah. We used an ex escalation addendum on our contract, which basically is, uh, you know, a clause that says, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna write you an offer at a million dollars, but I'm willing to go all the way up to a million one. And if somebody makes you an offer that's above mine, that's between, you know, a million one and a million, I'll pay $1,000 more than they will. And that's essentially how you win those contracts. Right. It is not an easy thing to negotiate. Mm -hmm. And this is why I tell everybody, if you're going to hire a realtor, you need a referral. Like I went to the realtor I used was somebody that I know, this this, and I got a referral to her buyer agent. And he actually has worked out very well. I think he's done... You know, I, I would think Mrs. Monty would agree, but I think this guy's done a very good job for us. Yeah. You know, he is, there were some issues with, um, you know, a lawsuit in the HOA, which is the other thing. My God, can we please, can we please eliminate HOAs? Like it is, and, and they're necessary, but HOAs in this state are so much. <sighs> the, the money that they cost oh are God. ridiculous, dude. HOAs in this state are a racket. And, I think a lot of it is because the building boom of the, the 90s and the early 2000s that took place in Utah was not necessarily the best construction in the world. So, I mean, probably True. I would guess three out of every five HOAs 
Um, you know, three out of every five HOAs have a lawsuit of some kind. Um, you know, and when, when you have, you were telling me there's that new plan community that's going up in Bountiful. Yeah. There's a new plan community up North. I, I got to look into it, but apparently it's going to be like another version of like, you know, any big community you think of, like, you know, the daybreaks or, you know, all these, cause they're yeah. basically trying to build like, you know, like mini, basically like mini enclaves inside of bigger cities. So like, you know, um, you have Bountiful, the city, but then they're going to build this, you know, massive mini city inside of that so you don't ever have to leave there yeah I, I think that i think one of the interesting things is that there is a lot of fraud's a strong word real estate is a very it's full slope. of schemers you really have to you really have to do some due, due diligence and again this is why contracts have you know you know, inspection periods and due diligence periods. And mm -hmm. I mean, there, there's a lot that you need to know about a property before you buy it and acquire it. Um, you know, and you essentially are going to lend somebody a little bit of money to make sure that you can take a deep dive into the orifices of that property. Right. Uh, which is exactly what we're going to do. Um, but it is not an easy, it's not an easy, you know, venture thing to do right now buying real estate is not something you should do willy-nilly yeah and right now it's probably it's a it's a frustrating experience because there's not a there's not a ton available like inventory need kind of needs to go but up you know here. what the funny thing is i think there is a good amount of property available the problem is the buyer pool has built because the pandemic housing shortage i mean a year ago there were less than two thousand homes available in the entire state of utah um, and I was looking at it yesterday. There's there's 4,627 homes available yesterday, uh, according to HomeSnap in the state of Utah. So yeah, but I don't I I don't I don't give a damn about the state of Utah. I'm talking about like like you know realistically where you know people want to be buying. Well, the problem is the average transaction in our area is about five hundred sixty thousand dollars. Yeah, and that that prices a lot of people out of the market. And the fact is that. A lot of homes that are on the market now in Phoenix and Arizona are very much the same way. A lot of homes that are on the market now are probably 20 to 30% inflated. Yeah. And so you have to ask yourself, okay, well, you know, for instance, let's just take half a million dollars as a round number. Well, I'm going to pay half a million dollars for this house. Is this a half million dollar neighborhood? More to the point, is this ever going to be a six or a $700,000 neighborhood? Am I ever going to have six figures in equity in this property? Yeah, because if you're not, you probably shouldn't. You probably shouldn't be that aggressive with it. Yeah, it's not worth the investment. You know, there is, and I, you know, living in in Daybreak, I can tell you, there's a lot of inflation here. There's a lot of people who who think that they can just throw a number on a house and somebody's going to pay it. Yeah, and that's just not the case. And I think that's why you see a lot of homes are sitting. And this goes back to what we talked about yesterday with um, Open Door. Yeah. It, it, the I'm telling you, the corporate wholesale property buyers and sellers are a real problem for the consumer because you're overpaying because they overpaid. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. eBay says uh, you do realize that people are rushing out to buy homes before the interest rates start going up in March. However, by the second rate, the housing market will crash. I don't see a housing crash coming. I think that you're going to see a level off. And I think you could you could see a step back you know, a small correction, if you will, you're not going to see a 2008 crash. And if, if there is a 2008 crash, I hope you have money to buy. I hope you have credit to buy because 
that's when that's when you have to take advantage. But I don't think we're there because what happened in 2008 and what happened with the with the you know even earlier than that with the foreclosure boom. Yeah. You know, you had you had a lot of you had a lot of systems that had no infrastructure. You had a housing market that was built on nothing. Yeah. And that's not what that's not the case anymore. So you have a lot more regulation which is good and bad. But there's there's just not the system is not in place for the market to crash. Um, you're not going to have homes that you know people have a you know five hundred thousand dollar loan on a house that's worth three hundred thousand. That's that that's just not in place. Uh, I mean, loan to values now are so much further in line than they were back during the crash. Yeah. I mean, you you add, and it's you know if you watch the movie The Big Short, it is I think the biggest tale of the housing crash. I mean, you have strippers that own five houses, and those houses were worth two hundred thousand, and they had five hundred thousand dollar loans on all of them. Yeah, you know, I mean, if you look at Vegas, Stockton, Modesto, California, um, you know, I mean, the the foreclosure booms were ugly, crazy, ugly. Um, the Casual Monty Show. Yes, yes, the Casuals. Yes, there you go. you're a casual. Yeah, it says, can I rent your condo? No. Josh says, I don't think they'd be investing their money in something they hadn't done research on. Why have you been con consistently hating this whole podcast, eBay? That's who eBay is. Bad idea to buy and overpay for real estate now. You know the stock market will crash much worse than 2000 and 2008. I just don't think that's happening. I, I don't. I mean, even if the stock market crashes that, and this is something that I think <laughs> is a big conversation now. Yeah. The stock market is not indicative of the average Joe. Right. I mean, obviously, a guy like me, I'm, I have a 401k and a Roth. You know, I own stock in the company I work for. Obviously, my net worth is coming down as the stock market's coming down. But historically, the stock market has always corrected. But what has it always done? When it's gone down, it's gone right back up. So I think that you're, you're again, I think you're seeing the correction in the market right now. I think inflation is a huge problem. Um, I think that there's a lot of people hoping for, the midterms to change direction, but I don't, I don't necessarily know that the stock market is as imperative to the average American as it had been previously. Yeah. I just, I, I, I don't, I don't think it is. Uh, C. Sheever says, good to see Butler on the floor and put up some good numbers. I agree. Jared Butler needs confidence building and he, shooting yep. the three as well as he is, I think really helps. Uh, Dane says daybreak is rough anyways, but at least the internet is there. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Uh, Chris Carn says my HOA has gone up by 20 bucks in 18 years. Not all are bad. Correct. Yeah. Correct. But, but correct. Where are you at in the Valley though? You know? Yeah. Uh, Giggity says eBay, the sofa surfer is still salty over his Packers taking it. Would agree. People buying the HOAs and don't do any research. It's crazy to watch. Chris Carn says, I agree. Daybreak is a bit of a racket. Daybreak is a racket. You supposedly get a lot in daybreak for your HOA. And if you, you know what? We have beautiful lakes. We have beautiful green spaces. We have beautiful amenities. I agree with that. Mrs. Monty happens to use a lot of those. We use a lot of those. My HOA is well worth it. On a buy and hold, you know, it makes, I'm a little reticent to pay that much for an HOA, but the value I'm getting the property at and what its potential income is, uh, rents in this state right now are outrageous. Yeah. So, like, we, we were talking about this last night. I'm planning a correction on rent. Like, the numbers on this deal for us match up perfectly. Right. 
I mean, it's it it is almost as much of a no brainer as you could possibly right could possibly have. Uh, real quick, couple other uh, comments. The market fundamentals are totally different than two thousand eight. We may slow, but Utah will not crash. Totally agree. Yeah. Uh, eBay says uh, China will crash our housing market. Look up Evergrande. Well, I, but again, I think you have a tiered housing system and you have backstops in place. Um, and you should look. You should look at the the. It's a whole black hole. Trust me. Does Jake have the new drop courtesy of Uncle Joe ready yet? Uh, no, I don't. I'm not sure what. That's what a is the? I'm not sure what that's a reference. Giggity. To. What is the Uncle Joe reference? Uh, eBay, the sofa server says Arizona will crash. Well, I'm not in Arizona. I made a ton of money on real estate in Arizona. So with all due respect, I, I just think the Chinese, the, the Chinese fear. I don't know that the, the Chinese fear is backed with fact, you know, like I, I, I read a lot about that. <coughs> I, I get a lot of real estate news. I follow, I used to be a licensed agent in Arizona, um, We've done a lot of real estate in our lives. And I, I think, you know, looking at the, the numbers, I just don't, looking at the information in the numbers, yeah, I don't see the China debt crash coming. I don't. So the Casual Monty Show says Jake is a drop machine. Yes, he is. Yeah. Yep. Yes, yep. he is. You're a casual. Yes, he is. I'm I'm serious. We got to find a way to open up like a smash burger or a jack in the box. Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, fast food is undefeated, dude. I mean, I think if you have a good brand and a good location, you're, it's over. But it's like three million bucks to open up a, a jack in the box. That might be true. And that's a big number up front. But I think, um, you know, when you look at that over 15 years, month in and month out performance, yeah. A lot of opportunities. If you could open any fast food restaurant, what would it be? I mean, Jack, probably. But I think McDonald's takes over too much of your life. I think the problem with Chick-fil-A, and a lot of people knee-jerk and say Chick-fil-A because it's so cheap to get into a Chick-fil-A, you never own it. Yeah. The company always owns it. You never own the Chick-fil-A. Um, you know, I don't know. Probably I, I, Jack. I mean, honestly, in Utah, because there's not a lot of them, but you know what's missing here is a good fast breakfast place, like a cold oats, coffee oats, baked goods, like a good breakfast only specialty joint would do really well in in Utah. Yeah, in in Daybreak. Yeah, in Daybreak, South Jordan, Draper. <coughs> Excuse Bro, me. Bro, are, are you okay? I'm dying. <coughs> um, I'll tell you what, though, I'm sleeping really well. This new terrible tasting Nyquil. Has, <laughs> has done the job. Now, last night I woke up in a panic sweat. It was weird. What is a panic sweat? What does that mean? You woke up sweating and you were panicking? Yeah, like, ah! <laughs> Okay. I don't know why. Were you having dreams? or No. What, I mean, I what's just, going on? Haven't you ever woken up like that? Like, ah! And you're like hot and you're sweating and you're like, okay, I'm awake. <laughs> I'm awake. Who's here? I like, I I've woke arrived. up. I woke up. It was 225. Damn. I sat up on my elbow, and I was like, whew. my wife was passed a f out next to me. She was sleeping. And, you know, the funny thing is she said this the other night, too. Like, do you ever have that dream where you hear something in your dream, and you wake up, and you're like, oh, my God, somebody's in the house. Yeah. Yeah. And you lay there in dead silence, and all you hear is the ringing in your ears, and you're like, wait, was that in my dream? Is this a dream, or was that is in my this dream real? Or 
on BYU Radio. The problem is I've got <laughs> yeah on BYU Radio. <coughs> uh, the problem is I've gotten into these TikTok accounts that are like the Reddit TikTok accounts. Dude, it's savage, bro. Scariest, True or not, I don't know, but holy scary, crap. Your scariest moment ever. And like people on Reddit will reply, and then they'll put the text on the screen so the guy in the, the yeah. scary voice reads yeah. it. You know, like Ted Bundy almost murdered by Ted Bundy story. Final. Anyway, I just freaked out last night yeah. over nothing. Okay. Does Monty had COVID or just a normal cough? Just a normal cough. I've tested negative for COVID. Um, the coronavirus. And I've just had this. My wife had like a, a, a pretty good cough when I got back from Tahoe a month ago. <laughs> and since then, I just, I, it's way better now. Like yeah. it's, it's it seems way to better. come and go almost. Yeah. I'm pretty much over it now. I feel like yesterday when I was on the phone at the Yelpatory, I coughed a little bit, but I, if I laugh, I cough mm-hmm. like I, it, it it, little stuff like that. But now just on the regular, every 20 seconds, I'm not coughing. Right. It's but I'm telling you, this new NyQuil Severe, the green one you get at Costco, I mean, that's narco shit, dude. That's like, <laughs> it's narco. That's like knocking me out. <laughs> that is knocking me out. The Tussin. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, that Tussin is. <laughs> but we, we, we bought this DayQuil cough suppressant now, mm-hmm. this DayQuil cough. <clears throat> And I feel like it's really working. I ran out of regular DayQuil Severe today, so we moved over to the DayQuil cough. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's working. Okay. Good. I feel good today. Well, I'm good. I'm glad, yeah. <clears throat> um, Justin Sala says, Morning, fellas. Trying to get my first investment home, and it looks like I'm going to need 20% anyways around having um, to put that much money down. I Well, you know what? It's tough. Like, I am not eligible for first-time buyer programs. Um, and there's a lot of conjecture about those. Like Utah has a really aggressive first time home buyer program where they'll lend you a second mm-hmm. right away to, to cover your closing costs, your down payment and all that. But it has to be FHA. Yeah. That's an FHA program. And a lot of people are like, well, if you need that FHA program, do you really, should you really be buying a house? And I say, yes, because a year from now, you're not going to be able to afford to buy the same house, wow. it, 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 which is something to look at. But my point is. 20% down. I, here's what I would tell you, Justin. And this is just my opinion. I am not an expert. I am not a licensed realtor. But here's what I would tell you. If you don't have 20% down, you probably can't afford to buy that house. And this is something me and Mrs. Monty had a long talk about in the hot tub the other night. Buying this rental property is going to take a, a pretty good chunk of our liquidity. Now, fortunately, we're in a place where we're debt-free and we have quite a bit of liquidity right now, which is why we're trying to put it to work and build a tax shelter into it. Um, But the question is, is that liquidity more valuable to you? And think about it in these terms. Do you want to have $100,000 in the bank or $20,000 in the bank and you own an investment property? Now, I'm the guy who says I'd rather have 20 grand in the bank and own an investment property because I know I make enough and I know how to leverage that investment property to make me more money. And I know that I have enough income and we work hard and we make good money. We're pretty good at what we do that we'll be able to rebuild our liquidity fairly quickly. I want to build my net worth and I want to build generational wealth. So Justin, I would tell you if you can afford the 20% down and it's not going to change your day to day, or it's not going to put you in danger of failing on the day to day, I'd absolutely do it. I'm going to do that. But if it makes you live paycheck to paycheck, do not even consider it. Do not even consider it. You cannot in this society today live paycheck to paycheck. No. You just can't do it. One big mistake away. You you can't. You're a car breakdown away from being out. You're a, a car payment. You're 
you're a huge issue in your house away from, you know, being, you know, behind in forbearance. And that's just not a risk you can take. Because once you wreck your credit, it, it, man, it's 2022. If you are under 650 in a credit score, you're in real trouble right now. And if you are under 650, you better get to work because it is a, it is a, it is a tall hill to climb because that means you've missed payments. That means you're likely have heavy debt. And those scenarios are tough to get out of. You have to find a lump sum, a windfall of money to get out of those. So, you know, um, Justin Sala says 20% down takes 90% of our savings. Well, what I would ask you then is what are you day-to-day, what's your day-to-day liquidity and stability? I mean, are you, are you, if you, if you take that 20% and you buy this property, are you putting yourself in a tight financial situation? I am not. I am buying this rental property and my day-to-day will not change. It won't. I mean, we're committed this year and the three of us, Mrs. Monty, Jake and I generally do things together. Um, we have, we have committed to not spending money. We have completely cut our, 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 you know, extra spending out. Yeah. That means no more Jordans and, uh, sneakers app drops and stuff. Not for now, you know, cause we have bigger goals. So I would ask you, Justin, Hey, if that 20% makes you tight on the day to day, if you got to make a decision about paying off a credit card versus buying this condo, pay off the credit card. Yeah. Get out of debt. If you are not a hundred percent for debt free, I, and, I, and when I say, when I say I'm debt free, I have a mortgage and I have a car loan. That's what I've got. I've got no debt outside of that. If you are not a hundred percent debt free, you should pay off your debt first. If you are making credit card payments, pay off your credit cards first, then go buy investment properties. That's what I would say. Uh, he says no debt minus our home. We are fine day to day, but the wife likes the peace of mind of having liquidity. Safety is not safe. It's not. Comfortability is not safe. Period. End of story. Yeah. End of story. The 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 brave are always rewarded. And if you go out and you buy an investment property and your day-to-day doesn't change, there's no reason not to buy that. My wife and I are both in the low 900 uh, credit sc- credit-wise. She has been my savior with the finances. Truth. Best way to build credit is R.C. Willie. If you live in Utah, go buy furniture at R.C. Willie. Go buy a love seat at R.C. Willie. Put it in your living room. Do not pay it off early. Buy a $500 love seat. Make that payment every single month according to the terms. And then when you pay that off, do it again. Because R.C. Willie, whether you know it or not, is the biggest, is the biggest bank in Utah. Mm-hmm. And R.C. Willie will build your credit. The thing you don't want to do, in my opinion is you don't want to have 10 credit cards and get into credit card debt. You cannot do that. You want available credit, but you don't want to be in debt. The best way to do that is to open a line of credit that you can absolutely dominate and use it, increase it, use it, increase it. That's how you build credit. That's how you do it. Do not miss a payment ever on anything. Use your credit cards, pay them off. Do not pay interest. Do not miss a car payment. Do not miss a rent payment. That's how you do it. There endeth the lesson. Until tomorrow, make sure you subscribe to win this Xbox Series X. All you have to do to win the Xbox, if you're listening on audio or on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Monty Show. TheMontyShow.com will take you right to it. You want to win a PS5? Make sure you find us on TikTok, The Monty Show underscore. At the end of The Monty Show, The Monty Show underscore. Hit follow. When we get to 5,000, we'll give it away. Until tomorrow, say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake.